Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, a closer look at Boston's new IT strategic plan. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world, and you'll learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. San Jose is rolling out guidelines for how city employees are permitted to use generative AI tools like ChatGPT in their daily work. The new guidelines tell employees to focus on privacy, accuracy, and equity in understanding the risks associated with generative AI. Employees are also told to, quote, cite and record all generative AI use, including by filling out a special form when it's used for city records. New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced plans to expand the city's Big Apple Connect broadband program to 17 additional public housing developments in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. The program, which launched last year, has enrolled 100,000 households so far. Now, it's available to more than 330,000 people in 150,000 households at more than 200 public housing developments. New York Governor Kathy Hochul announced $18 million in funding for projects that use advanced technologies in energy-efficient buildings. The funding will be administered by the state's Energy Research and Development Authority and is part of the state's $6 billion 10-year clean energy fund. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Boston is prioritizing adaptability and flexibility with a new IT strategic plan. The plan, which was released last month, sets a roadmap for the city CIO, Santiago Garces, to deliver products and services that connect constituents with City Hall and put people at the center of governance and policy. Garces tells State Scoop's Keely Quinlan about why releasing a plan like this is so important. I think that there's two reasons that came clear why releasing this strategic plan was important. Um, the first one is Boston is a large and complicated city. It's a complex city uh, where um, a lot of our work depends on other it depends on other agencies and departments, some of which have different levels of coupling and alignment with us. So in some cases, we deal with agencies where the mayor appoints um, members of a committee, but then the principal or like the person responsible for that group uh, kind of doesn't directly report to the mayor. So, um, so that's one thing. Two, we have enough ourselves a fairly large and complex department and We've been on the journey of working on this strategic plan almost since the moment that I first arrived at the city. So kind of the genesis was about a month into my time with Boston. I convened my leadership team and we went and we uh, retreated to the library. Uh, you, oh, It seems invariable that you have to retreat to advance. <laughs> so we went to the to the public library and we started talking about some of the challenges and the opportunities that innovation and technology existed at the city. And that gave me kind of the framework to put together this like draft zero of the plan, which I then shared with the entire department, with everybody in the department who shared a Google doc that people started commenting on and providing their feedback and perspective, people at all levels of the organization. And I got some really great feedback on that. And then I took that feedback and I passed it to some of my predecessors. So I have the unique circumstances that I'm working directly with two people that had the role that I have now. Um, Yasha Franklin Hodge and then Alex Lawrence is interim CIO and Yasha was CIO of the city. Uh, for several years. So 
I asked them and some other people that had been in this role and mentors to take a look at the strategic plan, kind of the next iteration of the draft. But ultimately, again, the idea is we, I wrote a lot then edited some pieces out, but what I tried to do at the end is try to come up with a vision of what is it that I think that we need to do as a department based on that kind of collective wisdom. Um, try to make it as simple and as clear as possible and tied with the outcomes that our constituents and our workforce will see and align it with the vision that the mayor has presented to us in some sense also like as as we've been as been working on this strategic plan the mayor has also kind of issued and shared through the state of the city and uh, with us in the cabinet um her, more details around her vision so it was a, an opportunity of saying this is where she wants the city to go this is what we think that the department should be doing to help us get there gotcha so it was more of like a collaborative effort than anything it sounds like yes again i think that it is any good strategic plan presents a challenge right is saying there's something that we should be that we're not yet um it needs to be grounded in context you know you don't want it to be devoid of where we are. We want it to be grounded in where we are, but present this like notion of where is it that we should be doing and why? Why why would we develop new capabilities? What are things? Why is it that we do that what we do? Um and I tried to write it in a way that it, it still gives a fair amount of flexibility. There's it talks a lot about how is it that we work, not only about specific milestones and goals that we need to achieve because in some sense we want to acknowledge the fact that we constantly have to deal with uncertainty changing priorities changing reality so it's a way of creating what are some of these common denominators what are some of these big picture things that we know that need to be true in the next few years but also baking in flexibility but yeah like the the idea of like sharing making it a very collaborative process in writing was to the it's not my strategic plan ultimately i will i will do i'm only one of a hundred and some people that work in this department everybody else needs to make sure that their realities get incorporated and reflected in this strategic plan and for the department heads and for the for the mayor to see this be a reflection of where she wants to go so that's kind of why i, I tried to take that approach and i'll tell you that the pro the final product is much better based on the on the feedback and the perspective that, that that they gave um so you know the first thing that struck me in your new plan was the mention of doing big things by getting the small things right what are some of those small things you hope to get right and what impact do you think that they'll have on you know operations and things like that Yes, and that is literally vocabulary that's coming from the mayor. Um, that's one of the things that she's asking us to do. So some things that we're working on, again, like we didn't hyper-specify it in the plan, but there's things that we're already working on. So I'll give you some example. We took as a department the challenge of saying there are things that we as a department could do better that would make our workforce be better prepared to do their job. So a lot of our workforce increasingly depends on technology to do their work. And if it's not working the way that it should, it's harder for them to do their job. 
So we've um, actually started to work on five priority areas that we, we basically looked at the tickets that we get and the requests that we get from our uh, from our internal users. And we're embracing a challenge around the top five areas that are most common. But some of the things that stand out, for instance, is around devices. So in the past, the purchase of devices has been the responsibility of each department. And that means that departments you know, prioritize and budget for devices whenever they have money. It's easier to find money to buy devices if you run a large department than if you run a small department. Sometimes knowing what is the right device is hard. And the reality is that I think that there's an opportunity to do things a little bit better. Um, things have changed a lot in the past few years. We have a hybrid work policy. We worked remotely for a while. So um, a lot of our workforce does their job in the field. So starting to think about, do we need to be providing laptops as our standard option? Should we be thinking about um, tablets and, and other things that make it easier for people to do work in the field? Um, making it so that they don't have to worry about budgeting for these things. Like, can we make sure that people have the right device to do their job when they start their job, um, that they don't have to wait, that it is clear to them who is it that they have to go for support? Um, so that's just one example of of a number of kind of these challenge areas that we think that that there's opportunity to do. But again, thinking that if if you have the right tools to do your job, it's just so much easier to do your job, and that it is our responsibility as a product and services organization to realign how is it that those needs get covered, how is it that we understand the needs, how is it that we design products and services that help you reliably get what do you need? Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm so glad you touched on workforce because that was going to be my next question. You know, it continues to be, I think, the top challenge across the public sector from, you know, turnover to challenges associated with modernization and, you know, upscaling, you know, skills learned on and off the job. Um, we've heard that from, you know, CIOs across the country, but how does your plan, you know, tackle those issues to attract and retain talent specifically? Yeah, so um, I think the way that we've incorporated and we, we think about our workforce is in a couple of ways. So the first one is, again, embracing the fact that technology is ever-evolving and that makes it exciting, but it also makes it a little bit challenging in a public sector context because in some departments, we have the same job descriptions and we have the same kind of positions for a really long time. In our work, we're starting to hire cloud engineers. We're starting to hire user experience researchers and other positions that we've never had before. And the way that we've communicated to our um, partners in the unions, to our partners in budget, in HR is to the extent that we're transforming the way that we work and aligning it a little bit closer to the way that the private sector does its work and that other kind of government agencies are starting to do the work, we actually become a more interesting employer. So in some sense, like if we're hiring for product managers and user experience researchers, as opposed to, you know, not, but you know, like mainframe operators, we no longer have a mainframe in, 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 in operation of the department. There's nothing wrong with that skill set. But the more that we're aligning, we're 
people, more people are trying to find jobs, the easier it is for us to attract and retain. The lower the time that we have vacancies, and in some sense, we're also embracing the principles of the strategic plan of working in an agile fashion. We're trying to work in a way that is iterative about their staffing needs. So we're prioritizing with our leadership team. Every few months, we sit down and kind of think about what are the immediate next top priorities that have the biggest business impact in, in hiring and prioritizing those also to help we're not the only agency that is in need of hiring a lot of people. So we think that by prioritizing our hiring needs, we're also helping all of our partners in and helping prioritize their work because they have, you know, they need to be helping public works, police and others in, in their hiring as well. So um, as one way, a couple of ways in which the strategic plan fits in. The, the second part is, again, we've been, we believe the, and it's reflected in the strategic plan that we play a role in the city in articulating the governance and policy across all technology organizations. So even departments that have their own IT departments, we, we believe that it is our job to start thinking about what are their hiring needs and their technical hiring needs? What are the things that they're struggling with? where there's opportunities for shared services, where there's opportunities to have support with, they might need support, um, you know, for continuity of operations. So, um, so again, we're starting to have the dialogue and the perspective, but in some sense, if that perspective of thinking that it is your job to figure out that piece of the puzzle, if that doesn't exist, the, the puzzle is never going to get solved. So, um, we're kind of using the strategic plan as an opportunity to start some of those conversations and hopefully in a way that makes the constituents better off and makes the different departments and agencies better off because we're just trying to figure out how is it that we help them have have us have the capabilities to help them do what they need to do to um to thrive and you know another you know item in your in your plan that you noted um, was was automation. So what processes in your department currently use automation and where do you hope to expand that technology's utility? Yeah, so um, again, in technology, usually we are good and we should <laughs> be embracing tools that allow us to automate, partially to be able to do things at scale, uh, to be able to do things with reliability, with observability, you know, in a way that is measurable. So technology can be really helpful at that. Um, some of the places that we feel that the automation can actually be the most impactful is in quality management. So actually a big focus on, uh, for us has been in being able to automate the way that we do testing um, or the different tools that we do. And the reason is if we can get better and have more support in understanding that things are working the way that they should, it enables change, it enables security um, and reliability as well. So we get to become better about changing things in a way that, you know, like we can um, make upgrades faster. We can uh, make changes to our code knowing that things are still going to work. And 
so that's an area of of investment again it aligns with some of the philosophies that we started to talk about agile and devops um so that's one big area and then there's again we've been also um really interested and keen in looking at the opportunities that generative ai bring in being able to help support the development of code of um analytics even some business processes that you know like being able to document and being able to to formalize some some stuff so all of in all of those cases we've seen that there's um there's a benefit potential benefits in in leveraging those tools and there's risks but there's always risks when it comes to technology or or anything so we're trying to figure out smart ways to manage those risks Right. And that segue is very nicely into my next question, um, which is, you know, asking you to explain a little bit more in depth, one of those driving principles that you talked about, which is adaptation and risk management. Would you mind talking about how those two work together and what your vision is for balancing them? Absolutely. So I think it is easy for technology or any internal service um, organization and government to kind of fall into the background, right? Like HR, finance, legal, uh, IT. And our take is that that's, that can be a problem for a number of reasons. One, it drives resources and investment away from our work, which we don't generally like. But the other thing is because it, that might be a signal that we're falling out of relevance. We're not solving the kinds, the right kinds of problems and we're not bringing the right sorts of approaches to the problem. So I think particularly when it comes to risk management, the thought has been thinking, what are intrinsic risks that we bring in the way that we do work? So again, like talking about what we, what we discuss about bringing uh, automation in, in our ability to, um, um, understand how we push code and how we uh, like what what behaviors our applications are supposed to be solving and how do we make sure that we we understand quality, mixing it with some level of observability and monitoring of the different components so that we kind of can anticipate when things are not working for the users and not just relying on them contacting us when things have failed. But there's another kind of risk that we think that's also important. Um, says like trying to reduce the risk that we already have but there's also another risk which is what are the things that we could be doing that we're not doing um and in that sense there's also risk in falling out of relevance and and not being able to support people with things that have an opportunity of providing benefits so that's it is a challenge and sometimes like we don't you know like there's no playbook for humanity. Like we're all trying to figure out ways in which we're, you know, like learning what works, what doesn't work, what are the intrinsic risk of doing things? What is the cost benefit? Um, if you think about it, you know, like, like I, I use an example of, we use internal combustion engines to power the trucks that haul trash, that respond to fires, that uh, respond to public safety and, in some sense, like when we're as a society, we're saying we know that there's a cost, uh, environmental cost of burning fossil fuels and polluting the environment, 
but we're also trying to mitigate this against the environmental risks of against like the the other risk of public safety and public health so we're constantly making these trade-offs and and doing so i think like by virtue of putting it as a principle we're just saying that we're explicitly thinking about that and that part of our job is to negotiate those risks um, and whenever possible try to empower people to make those risks explicitly so to saying what is it that we value like how do we prioritize those risks and and accept those risks or mitigate the risks or or embrace the risk and say we're going to do it yeah yeah definitely um so with all that we've talked about in mind and maybe some of the things that we didn't get to touch on what is the top area of focus you're most excited about tackling and how do you hope it will drive positive change in boston um, I'm excited about a lot of stuff. Uh, I think partially the 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 challenge is like making sure that we have the discipline of not trying to do everything at the same time and that we but I think overall I am excited and I think that the, again why why I took this job and why I feel so proud of working for Mayor Michelle Wu is, I think that there's a genuine opportunity that as we engage in the building and management of some of these government systems that we also are finding opportunities to create community, that there's opportunity. These are complicated issues. Again, similarly, if you take a microcosm of the way that we wrote the strategic plan, by virtue of my hope in, in engaging our department and others in the writing of the strategic plan is that it creates you're now invested in in the vision of the department um and that was intentional i for every comment that i received in the next version of it i said how i had incorporated or in some cases if i had rejected the feedback i said you know like i appreciate the perspective but this is why i'm not incorporating it but i think that that is something that's important in the work that we do in government we we're stewards of these public goods and i think that in some sense like as we embrace this product management methodologies and and these perspectives that we're enabling governance that is a little bit more distributed enabling people to be able to comment and direct things that they care about that has an impact of them and hopefully that leads to having more trust uh, a little bit more engagement and for some people, I mean, you're not always engaged with everything that government does, but you know that if you ever were to feel like you had to put your two cents in, that you're going to find a table in which you can participate and bring your perspectives and that you know that something, someone's going to do something with the information and the feedback that you provide. So I'm excited about that as a model to try to build more trust, a more responsive government, and a little bit more intelligent and also a more dignified experience of government. Santiago Garcia, CIO for the city of Boston. You can read more about him at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. They're also speaking at this year's IT Modernization Summit. You can register for that event at links in the show notes as well. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at prioritiespodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Carlin Fisher and Adam Butler help put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.